Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we get you set for the Gold Eyes playoff run. Paul Schwendel, relief pitcher who's loving the food in Winnipeg, joins us. Also, we'll talk to two dodgeball coaches from here in Manitoba who helped Canada win gold in mixed foam division at their recent World Championships in Edmonton. Amanda First and Kevin Harder coming up on the podcast. Tomorrow night at Shaw Park, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes host Fargo Moorhead in game one of their best of three playoff series. And here to talk about that and lots more is Paul Schwendel, a pitcher on the Gold Eyes roster. Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. First of all, how excited are you to play in a playoff game tomorrow night? Oh, I'm pumped. I uh, I got traded over from the Chicago Dogs in this league a few weeks ago, but so far my experience with the uh, the Winnipeg team has been awesome. The the fans I think are the best in the league, so I'm sure it's going to be rocking there tomorrow night. So the Dogs ended up winning the East Division, even though they actually only had one more win than Winnipeg. Winnipeg just in a in a tougher climate in this West Division. What's been the the biggest adjustment for you now playing baseball in Winnipeg and playing in Canada? Um, well, I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely been different, but I think I looked at it as kind of a, a cool opportunity to see a new city, and you guys have great food up here and great fans and a, a great ballpark. Um, I would say the lineup in this uh, division, we have uh, Kansas City and Fargo and, and Winnipeg ourselves. From facing them on the other side, I, I know uh, I think these are three of the strongest lineups in the league, so I think uh, – it's a little tougher pitching in this division, if I'm being totally honest. So what is your preparation like on an off day? You know, you got a game coming up tomorrow. You know, you, you know, you're a reliever. So are you going to play? Are you not? You're not sure. What's that like for you? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of unsure. Uh, I'm a kind of a middle reliever, so not sure if I'll pitch tomorrow, but um, pretty much just like any other off day, we had a light little practice earlier today. Um, boys got some swings in and, and we took some pitchers fielding practice and some guys threw off the mound a little bit, but yeah, just trying to, to rest up and get ready to go. I'm sure, you know, tomorrow it's, you try to treat it like any other game, but there's definitely a little bit more, um, intensity and emotion and, and focus on each pitch. So, um, yeah, just getting ready for a playoff atmosphere. Take me through your journey to where you end up in Winnipeg as a, a 33-year-old. Where did you start your baseball journey, and where has it taken you? Yeah, so I'm I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, um, so pretty far from home. But uh, I went to Emory University down there. It's a little Division three school, pretty good baseball, but um, Division three, so not a lot of guys getting drafted out of there. Um, and I was drafted in the 40th round in 2012, so like the third to last pick. Um, in that draft and was with the Texas Rangers for three years um, until 2014 and had some elbow issues and honestly just wasn't performing very well. So I stepped away from the game for a little bit, um, got married, bought a house, got a job selling IT hardware, um, but still felt like I, I could get back into it and I had the stuff to get back into it. So I ended up getting elbow surgery in 2018 while I was working that sales job and uh, started playing in a men's league um, on weekends, and my wife would come and, like, radar gun me to see if I was making progress, and I started throwing harder and harder um, and just got to the point where I thought 
I think my stuff's good enough to, to compete at the professional level again. So um, I reached out to a bunch of coaches, and uh, one that I reached out to was Butch Hobson, who's the manager of the Chicago Dogs team. So Butch invited me up, I think, the, the COVID year 2020. Um, there was a, a league still, the American Association, I think six teams played. So I went up and tried out for the team and made it and had, a, had an okay year that year and then went back last year um, and did well the first month of the season and got picked up by the Cardinals about halfway through. So um, then this year being back in Chicago and then I got traded over to Winnipeg three weeks ago. So yeah, it's been a, a long winding road to get here, but um, I think any day that you have an opportunity to play a kid's game for a living, you know, you got to count yourself lucky. So when you're working in it selling it products for those yeah. few years, are you thinking uh-huh. that the baseball dream is dead or is what, what part of you is still hoping that you're going to get another shot? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, you know, if I was being totally rational with myself, I would probably think that it was dead. But um, I think underlying there, there was always a little hope. And, and I knew that I had a good arm. And uh, I was probably, like I said, a little bit irrational about it at points. But I was I was going out on lunch breaks and throwing bullpens and taking calls from a pitching mound um, from customers. So I always, I always worked hard and thought that, you know, if I could – get healthy and, and work on my skill enough that uh, I'd find an opportunity somewhere. Did your coworkers see you pitching or was this just from home? So they, <laughs> they didn't know you as the guy that took lunch breaks on a pitching mound. I think, I think they noticed that I took a little bit longer uh, lunch breaks than other people, but uh, I, I'm actually still pretty good friends with my boss um, from that company. So when I, when I told him that I was leaving to go pursue baseball again, he was like, man, you only have one opportunity to play baseball and, you know, you can get a sales job down the line, but chase this while you can. So I was really appreciative of that. And he actually lives in Chicago. So he would come to some of my games there and we're still pretty close. Were you a good salesman? You know, I was a, a young salesman. I was getting there, I think. Um, so I, I think I did pretty solid for, for my first couple of years in the industry, but um, I guess I can I can go back and try again if I if I need to after this is done. So way back in the day when you're you're growing up playing, were you always a pitcher and was baseball your only sport or were you a multi sport athlete? Uh I was pretty much baseball. I mean I played a little basketball until like maybe I was twelve or thirteen, but I, I focused on baseball pretty early on. My dad was a, a college baseball coach. Um but I, I always said when I was younger, my dad said I, I had a great arm and he thought I'd end up on the mound. But I always said, no, pitchers aren't athletes. Like, I want to be a shortstop. So I uh, always held out hope that I, I could be a shortstop. But when guys started throwing breaking balls when I was about 15 years old, that was the end of that because I could not lay off a slider in the dirt. So, um, yeah, that, that I think pitching was kind of my only option to, to stay in baseball. How would you describe yourself as a pitcher? Um, I have, uh, what a lot of people would call a heavy fastball. So it has some sink to it. I throw pretty hard, 94, 95, touch 96 and a good swing and miss slider. So, um, when I'm in the strike zone, I think I've got good enough stuff to compete with anybody. And, um, for any pitcher, I think it's about, you know, throwing strikes, um, and getting ahead in the count. So yeah, that's, that's how I describe myself. Do you ever wish you could uh, 
Was, was there a pitch along the way that you wish you could add to your arsenal? Uh, you know, I used to have a splitter in high school that was really, really good. And uh, at some point, I kind of lost the feel for it, and I've tried to get it back, but it's never had the same break that it did in high school. So if I had my, like, my prime splitter back, I think that would have been a great pitch to have. And so looking at tomorrow then, what would you describe as a, as a perfect game for you and your job? Just uh, come in one, two, three, and then you're done? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A good start from our, uh, from our starter, Landon. Um, me come in in the sixth, go one, two, three, and then, and then the rest of our, bull, our bullpen closes it out. Um, and hopefully the boys will score a bunch of runs along the way. Format's a bit different this year. More teams get into the playoffs. It's a best of three. It's quick. I bet you play 100 games and it could be over in two. Do you like that? Um, you know, I think it, it leads to really intense games when you have that much on the line. It, it's tough in baseball because you're only really as good as that next game starting pitcher. So, so anything can happen on a given day. So I don't know that three games always gives the best representation of who the best team is, but it definitely means that you have to lay it all out there on the line for those three games. So it, it's definitely going to be an exciting atmosphere. How long do you need to warm up to be ready to pitch? Oh, like five pitches. I'm, I'm really quick. I, I think I've kind of um, trained myself into that. I know a lot of times, you know, ideally the coach wants to give you um, more than that, but sometimes that's just what the situation calls for. You might have a, the guys in a jam and you've got one hitter to get ready and that's just the way it is. So five pitches in the pen and then I get my five or eight or whatever it is once I get out there and I'm good to go. Before I let you go, you mentioned right off the top that you're really liking the food in Winnipeg. You've been you've only been here a couple of weeks, you said, but what's been the, the highlight uh, so far in your culinary journey north of the border? Man, uh, okay, so Clementine, I went there for uh, for brunch oh, yeah. the other day. I don't know if you've had that, but I love that yeah. place. Um, Stella's brunch is really good. We've been, me and some teammates have been hitting that up lately. Um, the local, we, we go to the local a lot, and they have a really good uh, Burger Week burger right now. Um, and then tonight I tried uh, cilantro um, Indian, um, got some chicken tikka masala from there, so. I'm excited to, to try that, dig into that once I get off this call. But, um, yeah, I've been real, I haven't had a bad meal yet since I've been here. I've been really impressed. Well, hopefully you can get a, a plug or two or some uh, free meals for plugging them on the radio here. But uh, appreciate you <laughs> so. hopping not, on, the, not what I'm going hopping for, on your call. And yeah, you know what? If you guys win tomorrow, maybe you'll get some, uh, some free catering. We'll see what happens. Best of luck tomorrow night, Paul. And yeah. as far as the playoff run goes for the Gold Eyes, wish you the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Right now, I want to talk dodgeball. And uh, shout out to Matt Aber for helping set this up, producer of tonight's show. Because the World Dodgeball Championships took place in Edmonton this past weekend. Men's, women's, mixed divisions, some using foam balls, some using cloth. And we'll get to all that. Well, guess what? Canada won gold in the mixed foam division. And that team was coached by Amanda First and Kevin Harder from Manitoba. They're on their way home from the tournament today. And I talked to them about their role in a huge win and how big a deal it was to bring home the gold. Um, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, we were, we were very excited. Uh, there was countries from North America, uh, Europe, um, Asia, uh, Oceania. So I think in total, there was 13 teams in our division. 
so for us, we had uh, Malaysia, we had Sweden, Austria, uh, Mexico, um, Italy. Thank you. Uh, in the other division, there was the Americans, uh, there was Hong Kong, um, New Zealand. Uh, so yeah, teams from all over the world. And Amanda, what did it take to to win the championship? Were you tested? Were these tough matches? Uh, absolutely. Our very first game of round robin was against Malaysia. They were certainly one of the gold medal favorites coming into the event. They've previously won gold in the men's and women's division in prior world championships. So we were up against a very first, a very tough first team. Um, we did well in our round robin and finished second, which led us to our quarters and semifinal game where we were up against Hong Kong, who had finished um, quite high in their pool and then led to a win after that led to an Australia game. Australia was 5-0 and in their pool, so there were definitely some tough matches throughout the whole tournament. Um, but we were, we were able to play our game and come out ahead. How intense was the final, Kevin? <laughs> the final was so intense. Like Amanda said, Malaysia is uh, predominantly uh, just a powerhouse, and this team was no exception. Um, they are quite talented. Um, quite skilled. The the team from Malaysia really utilizes um, mobility and agility. Um, you've never really seen someone dodge until you've watched some players from Malaysia avoid that ball. Uh, some players can throw the ball in excess of 120, 130 kilometers an hour, and the Malaysian players can get sideways in the air, um, and they just bring the intensity. So we had um, we had the the hometown crowd, uh, plus all the other countries where they're watching and cheering. Uh, it was a very intense game, and like Amanda said, we played in Malaysia earlier in the tournament. Uh, we suffered our only defeat, um, so we had a lot of energy coming in, and we definitely wanted to. Um, we, be- we definitely wanted to rebound. We implemented our game plan, and we were able to pull it off in the end. Uh, there's a clip of me jumping up and smashing my clipboard and pen on the ground as we charged the court after we won. Uh, one of the greatest moments ever. So uh, I couldn't be more excited. Amanda, what, how big of a deal was it to have the home crowd behind you? Oh, it was huge. Uh, it was initially supposed to be in Scotland prior to COVID, but with COVID, there were some changes to the schedule, which allowed it to be hosted on Canadian soil. And to be able to have, this is the first year they've ever included a mixed division. So to be able to coach the mixed division and to be able to have that on home soil was absolutely fantastic. There was a ton of support from all the other Canadian teams as well as all the Edmonton fans. It was a huge benefit to us for sure. So, Kevin, I'm sure a lot of our listeners remember Dodgeball from gym class or they've (laughs) seen the movie Dodgeball. They probably haven't seen how intense and how high level actual world championship Dodgeball is. So uh, explain a couple of things. Let's just start with uh, the difference between foam and cloth, because these are two different uh, sectors within the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, a cloth ball, it, it's essentially like a bit smaller version of a volleyball with, um, I guess, with nylon coating. Uh, so a cloth ball, you can't throw as hard as a foam ball, just given its its size. Uh, so the cloth came um, in, I, I guess, in foam. You have to throw the ball from the center line, which is 30 feet to the back line. So you, you're you basically throwing 30 feet from your opponent. 
in a cloth because the the ball is harder to throw. Uh, they've introduced a neutral zone, so it allows you to get closer to your opponent and throw the ball. Um, you're you're a lot closer. So then in the cloth, it's like a counter rush game. After you throw the ball, the other team is rushing right after you and trying to get you on the back pedal to eliminate you from the game. So uh, whereas in foam. Um, like I said earlier, you, some players can throw the ball in excess of 120 kilometers an hour, so they don't need to get that close. Uh, so it's it's a little bit more strategic as far as what you're going to do with your throws, whereas in cloth, it's more geared towards the, the rush and counter rush. Okay, and Amanda, there's the men's, women's, and, and mixed divisions. Any difference in the rules between those three? The, the rule set is the same. The one difference for the women's court, it is a slightly shorter court for the women's game. With the mixed division with men's and women's on the court, we do play the full size. So it's the men's line, um, which is 30 feet versus the women's court, which is a, used to be 25, but now I believe it's a little bit longer. And what does the ratio have to be for men and women on the court? So it's a 3-3 ratio. So there's three men, three women on the court at all times. Nice. Okay. So uh, how did... We'll start with you, Kevin. How did you get started in dodgeball? Uh, well, I was just driving home. This is probably maybe uh, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I was just driving home from work one day, and I, I heard uh, an ad on a radio station um, about Winnipeg Rec League to you know, like join dodgeball. So I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll give it a shot. Uh, so I played Rec Division in dodgeball for a few years, and I really I just I fell in love with it. And then I progressed to competitive. And then that in itself is a completely different game. So um, in in Winnipeg, we have a dodgeball league called Dodgeball Dodgeball Winnipeg, um, and that's kind of where I got my start. And how do you transition from playing to coaching? Uh, so for me, I've been, we'll say, like captain of my men's competitive team for a number of years. So in essence, I've always been kind of like a player coach just because... Uh, I just love the, the strategic aspect of dodgeball. In a lot of other sports, let's say basketball, volleyball, uh, we've me and Amanda have talked about it a lot. There's only one ball in play. In dodgeball, you have six balls. So it's almost like six times the amount of strategy that you can put in as to like how you're going to go and execute your game plan. So that strategic part is really what uh, what appealed to me. So uh, just being the uh, being the we'll say like the the coach or captain player, um, it made it easy to transition into coaching. Uh, how about you, Amanda? How did you get your start? <laughs> um, very similar. A lot of the people in Winnipeg have a similar story. They started with Winnipeg Rec League and kind of a social side of dodgeball, um, more for the kind of fun social aspect. Then in 2016, Stacey Hewen began the competitive league called Dodgeball Winnipeg. Um, and that's when we got into competitive. So very similar story. Um, probably a lot of players can echo that same story in Winnipeg as well. So, Kevin, when you're putting together a championship quality team like this mixed team was, do you have players of a, of a bunch of diverse skill sets? Uh, absolutely. It's kind of like any other sport where you can't have a team full of quarterbacks or wide receivers. Um, a lot of players specialize in different types of positions. Uh, we're really fortunate. There's Canada is one of the global powerhouses for dodgeball. There's a lot of dodgeball communities across the country. So we were able to pull players from five different provinces to uh, bring onto the team. Um, and when you when you are building a team, you definitely do look at who can slot into what positions, uh, who's going to be good where, and then you just kind of go out from there. Any Manitobans on the mixed team? 
Uh, yeah, we we have so our mixed team consisted of six Manitobans, six Ontarioans, uh, two players from Quebec, uh, one player from Alberta, and one player from BC, uh, or two players from BC. Sorry. And I'm sure there are Manitobans on the other teams too. Um, there have been in the past. This year, there was one on the women's team. So there was one female um, from Manitoba on the women's team. But not and on in the, the past. Not on the men's. Okay. Yet. Nope. We'll say there's an honorary Manitoban. There's Jason Mergler is originally from Ontario, but now resides in Manitoba, and he was on the men's team. Nice to know, though, that the one that did win at all had a lot of Manitobans on it. <laughs> We're very proud of where Dodgeball has come to in Manitoba. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say Winnipeg probably, um, if it's not the biggest dodgeball scene in the country, it's it's getting there. Uh, the trajectory is definitely building, and uh, Winnipeg is, um, we'll, we'll say, one of the, the hot spots in the country. So we're very fortunate to have a, a lot of uh, talented local players that we could put on the team. I'll ask this to both of you. First to Kevin, what do you see as the future of dodgeball as a global sport? Uh, dodgeball, it's it's just building um, year after year. Um, we this year we had the most countries come and compete at the World Championships. Uh, I would believe in two years from now we're going to have even more countries. Um, and given its growth and its trajectory, I, I would think maybe sometime down the future I wouldn't be surprised to see it at the Olympics. And I think that's the that's the end goal. That's what we're all striving towards. So um, uh, to me, that's that's where it's heading. Amanda. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people in the dodgeball community would love to see it take that trajectory. I played a lot of Ultimate back in the, the early days of the Ultimate scene in Winnipeg, and to see how Ultimate Frisbee has progressed to where it is now, I believe that dodgeball has the potential to follow that same route, to be able to gain that global exposure, um, just like Ultimate has been able to do. So things, events like this, where we're bringing a lot of countries together is excellent for the growth of the sport. The more we can get it out there and let people see what the sport is, uh, the greater intake it will have with everyone from across the world. So we definitely believe there's a lot of potential for the sport to grow and become more popular around the world. And Kevin, important to note that, yes, this we're talking the highest level of dodgeball with the team that just won the world, but that's not really the accessible part of it for most people, just like I play beer league hockey, I'm never going to play in the NHL. <laughs> there are a lot of spots where people can just go and try it out, right? Absolutely. Um, so in Winnipeg, there, there's two. There's the Winnipeg Rec League, where it's probably geared towards more social. And then Dodgeball Winnipeg, they have different tiers or divisions. So um, if you're a new player and you just want to try it out, um, I think they have like bronze leagues that you could join up, you know, whether as a team or as an individual and give the sport a try. Uh, I'll say this. The dodgeball community is probably one of the most welcoming communities um, you could hope for. Uh, once you play dodgeball, I think you instantly have like 300 friends. Everybody just it's it's everybody's really close. Everybody's supportive. Um, it's a great community to be part of. And Amanda, another important thing to note is that you don't really need a lot of equipment to play. Absolutely. It's it's very accessible. Um, and like Kevin said, once you once you try it out, it's hard to walk away. People think they're just coming for a, one night a week, and all of a sudden they're playing multiple nights a week and can't get enough of it. There's also tournaments hosted in Winnipeg, um, and there's a lot of opportunity to travel across Canada for tournaments as well. So once people get in, they, they don't want to leave. 
Well, congratulations again on, on this huge victory. I hope to see it in the Olympics someday. Hopefully we get some Manitobans <laughs> going to the Olympics to play dodgeball. Appreciate you both taking time to talk to me tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you.